How's it, everybody? It's Mike Love. You're listening to the Maleko and Flash podcast, the worst podcast ever. That's what it says to say here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not me. <laughs> I would have said it was the best podcast ever. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Maleko and Flash podcast. I'm Maleko. Hey, I'm Flash. And our special audience of one guest slash bartender is Dave Newman from Pint and Jigger, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! And Harry's Emporium, which we will get into. How how you doing, Dave? How you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Had a few drinks last night. That's right. Happy belated birthday to Dave. Did you have a good time celebrating the birthday? Yeah, a few shots. Just, few a few, just a few. Just a few. Shots. few shots. I wanna, that is code for a few bottles. I want to know how a bar owner slash bartender slash alcohol enthusiast celebrates their birthday. Although I kind of have an idea. Mostly champagne. Oh. I, I, like, really, how much do you think you drank last night? Like, honestly. Not that much. Not, okay, that's a lie. Not that much by whose standards? I, I pretty much drank all of it. Okay. So I would say, like, on a Friday night when I did the manor... And this wasn't just me. This was Blaze and Jay, too, because we talked about it often. We all basically decided that we drank each about one full bottle of alcohol every Friday. That, that sounds pretty accurate for last for, night. For, like, for last night? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it. I, I just I picture, you know, the meme, the all the things. I just picture Dave with the little wand. All the Drink all the things. I'm not, I'm not a millennial. I don't get the reference. Everyone else does. So but anyway. For you kids at home that are amateurs and don't know, a bottle has about 30 shots in it, 32 to I, be exact. I actually but, didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that. That's good. But that's like single, like, one-ounce pours, which no one is doing. So, like, right. in our world, a bottle will probably get you about 20 shots. 20 shots. And with that in mind, Dave... Uh, is, that, is my math right, Dave? You can feel free to correct perfect. me. You know a lot more than that's I do. It. That's it. Dave's just <laughs> silently judging you. Dave is just silently hung over. He's like, <laughs> just keep talking, Flash, so I, I don't have to do anything. Well, before we get any, any further into the show, Dave, uh, what have you brought for us to drink today? So uh, being that uh, I did have a few drinks last night, and it is uh, morning for bartenders, even mm-hmm. though it's afternoon, I uh, brought one of my favorite drinks that we run at Point and Jigger. It's called a Tall Venti. We took the two sizes of uh, Starbucks coffee, and we smushed the name together, Tall and Venti. So Tall Venti. It has a 72-hour cold brew coffee. Oh, I've had this one. Rye whiskey, Campari, and then we top it with a house vanilla cream. I love uh, this drink. I'm so glad you brought this for us. That's awesome. Absolutely. Can I whip those up? Please do. Please start mixing those up. Uh, While he's making the tall venties, uh, Flash can uh, tell us a little bit more background uh, on Dave. We we know Dave uh, from his his newest uh, embarkment. I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? His newest. What are you? You went to what? A Damien? It's your, your St. embarrassment. St. Louis? St. Louis. It's even worse. It's been a long morning. Yeah. I, I've been okay. up since 1.30. Cool story, bro. Anyway. So is Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, Dave's, Dave's newest establishment is uh, Harry's Hardware Emporium. Right. And it, so it's a super secrety spot. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, too bad for you. Um, Leiko and I have had the pleasure of going in oh there. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Dave walked us through it. And it's like... Um, I mean, I would it's say pretty amazing. It's, from what I've seen, it's the closest thing I've seen to a real like prohibition era, actual like walking onto a movie set speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he's owned Pint and Jigger forever. And I actually, um, I think I met Dave when he was the bar manager of the original Nobu um, before it moved. Um, 
and I always thought it was really interesting when I would go into Nobu, the Japanese restaurant, and Dave was only like pushing out all these really interesting whiskey drinks. Mm-hmm. No sake, no, no, at the time, you know, vodka was big and I was doing my goose shots and all that stuff. And Dave was just, while everyone was zigging, Dave was zagging. Yeah. And uh, he eventually left Nobu uh, to open um, Pint and Jigger. And he was an original uh, contender in the Bacardi uh, Iron Bartender series at the Republic. Oh, my God. This is awesome. Dave okay. is bringing real ice. Real, Real glasses. glasses. Look at this. We normally have uh, plastic dis- Dixie cups. Cheers. Oh, my oh, God. This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ah, so good. It's like Starbucks coffee, but at the same time, you know, it's not. It's not. It's I can nice. remember vividly the first time you made this uh, for me. Tell me about that, that cold brew process. Oh, my God. So typically you would do cold brew coffee. Uh, at room temperature for 18 hours, mm-hmm. but we have access to our walk-in cooler for the beers. It sits at 35 degrees, so we do this incredibly slow extraction. We put the coffee in there for three days, and uh, you get this incredibly caffeinated, yeah. strong coffee that doesn't have uh, a lot of the acid that you would normally get. Yeah, uh, that's that's the biggest difference. Is you you taste that coffee flavor, but it doesn't doesn't have that acidic aftertaste. Um, in fact, uh, it actually clears the way for that alcohol pretty well. That's awesome. delicious. And that's not whipped cream on the top. That's like heavy. Heavy cream, some fresh vanilla, a little bit of sugar. <sighs> Shake the bejesus out Excellent. of it. Not something you could probably easily make at home, but if you want to stop by Pint and Jigger and get it, uh, it's it's not a menu item either. It's kind of something you just kind of have to know is, is there, right? We actually put it on tap now. It got so popular. What? Oh, it is yeah. on tap. So we run it through our tap system. Wow. Just a uh, w- word to the wise. If you've been into Pint a couple times, the the drink menu is fantastic, but all the best drinks are the ones that aren't on the menu yeah. that they're experimenting on. Mm-hmm. Every bartender has got a couple in his or her back pocket. And depending on how well you relate to the bartender, depending on how quickly AKA you develop- how much you tip. You develop a rapport with the bartender, how quickly you get into the secret menu, if you will. Right. It's so Maleko is still waiting to get into the secret menu phase. <laughs> Still in the parking lot. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Animal style. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey-o. Hey. Uh, you know, when Pint opened, uh, there weren't any bars like it in Hawaii. It was, it was a pretty unique concept. Uh, and uh, when, you, when you came out the gate, was it, was it an immediate success for people, or, or did it take a bit to get running? Uh, I was incredibly fortunate. I had run an industry night at Nobu on Sunday nights. We used to have a DJ yeah. in there. Uh, half-priced drinks, uh, sushi chef would come up and make sushi. We did that for five years. So the amount of industry people that came through on Sunday nights was incredible. Mm-hmm. So when we opened the door, industry was supporting really hard. And the best thing about industry is they love to, you know, social media. Yeah. So we, we opened the doors, and it was pretty much gangbusters. That's it. But, I mean, Dave is being modest. In, in all fairness, the Nobu Sunday industry night had something to do with it. But mm-hmm. Dave, at that point... Had been competing in all the local bartending and mixology contests and always doing really well in establishing uh, his name along with a few others like, you know, Christian from Bevy and Justin Park from, you know, Leather Apron. But at the time, Manifest, you guys were kind of like the three-headed monster. And so Newman already had this reputation of being like that guy. And he was also known, he kind of established his lane as the whiskey guy. Yeah. And industry people were already starting to shift away from 
am I again? Correct me if I'm wrong in anywhere, but no, I feel just like go ahead. We, I don't even know why we're here. Just let's yeah. just make it the Flash podcast. We have. Thank you. Finally, the Flashcast. The, whoa. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Um, anyway, I feel like people were were in the industry starting to shift away from whiskey, but didn't know what that meant or how to order. And I feel like you kind of paved the way to show people one what you can do with whiskey and two how to how to drink it. Yeah, and I think at the same time people were moving away from sweeter drinks. Yeah, going a Flash dry. was still drinking blueberry vodka till like 2016, right? Or what time is it? Yeah. Yeah. Every time you order a blue bizzle, I just want to slap you. Right. Just, <laughs> I, I went through like a five-year phase with that. Hey, wait, hold on. As Before we go any further, you know what we did? Because we're a little out of sorts, because our bartender is also our guest, we totally forgot the word of the day. Uh, it's a drinking game. Every time you hear the word of the day, you drink. Um, I think uh, today's word of the day, uh, it should be alcohol-related, obvi. Um, Whiskey. Whiskey's a good one. Oh How God. about just drink? Okay. How about just drink? All right. Um, well, so anytime you hear that the works. word drink today or any sort of uh, variation of that word, uh, I'm going to ring the bell, and then you go ahead and take a sip of your drink, whatever it is you're drinking at home. What could possibly go wrong? Right? What could possibly go wrong? We'll get you right wrong. in the spirit of that. Uh, so when you, when you started opening up the, the bar, you, you decide you're going to open your own bar. Um, what was your inspiration? What, what did you have in your head when you started to draw the plans for Pint? So at this point, I realized I'm an absolute idiot. I've opened two bars in Hawaii with no windows. <laughs> Like, who does that? You can move to the most beautiful place in the world and, you know, shutter yourself inside. Um, but we wanted to create a bar that made you feel like you had left Hawaii for a couple hours. Mm. So um, no windows, uh, very pub feel to Pint and Jigger. And then, you know, we got really lucky with the timing. Craft beer exploded. We mm-hmm. opened the same week as Real Gastropub. And, you know, we were the you know, couple only bars, Murphy's and, and Yardhouse and us were the only ones really doing craft beer. Yeah. And, and now every single bar has a craft beer, craft cocktail program. And, y- and your whiskey program was, I mean, I had never seen anything like it yeah. locally. It, like it was, I, f- I think when you opened it was like all whiskey. Like it was a big middle finger to like pretty much everybody. It's yeah. like, this is who we are. Like take your Grey Goose shooting you know, but out of here, a.k.a. Yeah. Flash. Like, yeah. Flash isn't allowed That's to drink it. here. It's, it's all brown, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's brown and beer. Two things that Flash hates or hated, yeah. anyway, at the time. And, and we wanted the name to tell you exactly what you were going there to do. Yeah. We're not going to, we didn't want to call it, you know, Hanks or Todd's or anything yeah. like that. It was like Pint and Jigger. It's, it's a beer and a shot of whiskey. And you, you, you opted not to use the word gastropub. Which yeah, at the time God. was very popular, uh, and I remember we had a discussion about this. I think it was about the time we had our show, uh, where the road the word gastropub actually turned me off. It was one of those words where it was just like it doesn't make me feel like I want to eat. It actually makes me feel like I'm sick of eating. Uh, people no. are still opening gastropubs too, yeah, and using the word that, gastropub, that verbiage, yeah, uh, which is you know it's cute and trendy, but at the same time, it, I don't think it's a very appetizing word. I don't, I don't think so either, and we we just didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves. You know, and, and it, it kind of sounds pretentious to me. You know, we're a gastropub. Um, but you are, actually, yeah, a gastropub, whether or not you use the name or not. I mean, in a sense, by definition, exactly, the food's damn good in your place. Thank you. Thank the you. food is really good there. It's excellent. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, I haven't had a bad meal there. Where, where do you cook it all? I just I, I picture there's some secret kitchen up in the top or something like that. Pretty much, we, we just <laughs> lock our chef away and he puts out amazing food. So. <laughs> or he just puts out. Yeah. <laughs> 
So the bar's been doing pretty well over there. Uh, a lot of people come down, uh, grabbing some drinks. And um, you decide over time you're going to expand a little bit. Now, it's a, it's a late expansion to when the bar originally opened, but it's something you've actually been planning since Pint and Jigger opened. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you this really terrible story that I told myself I wasn't going to tell you. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's like, I it's was, like Flash every yeah. first date. <laughs> Apparently, I'm still drunk. Um, so uh, I was running a bar in Hollywood about 22 years ago, dating myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um and myself and two of the guys that I'd hired and trained were going to open a bar. We got together, and everybody had to bring three concepts to the table. One of them was Harry's Hardware. And uh, we found a location in downtown Los Angeles. I was on my way to sign the lease, and my uh, partner, friend, called me, and he was like, hey, we got to talk. Uh, Uh-oh. Last, or three weeks ago when I was in Vegas, and my mind went straight to, oh, my God, uh, you were gambling and you lost all your money. Yeah. We can't open the bar. It was way worse than that. He's like, uh, we were in Vegas three weeks ago. I slept with your girlfriend, and I'm in love with her. What? Whoa. Yeah, drink. Wow. That is. Whoa. So. Uh, that I, is way worse than way, I lost all the money. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, he just gambled it all away, um, right? I mean, yeah, yeah you get, get to kind of go to the, the obvious Holy kind of. Crap. You're like, oh, this is, that would have been way better. Oh, my God. You didn't even warn me for that punch in the gut. That's awful, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, Maleko can relate to that. Oh, ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. So, yeah, I pulled over on the side of the 405 freeway. There was a lot of swear words exchanged. uh, Damn. So I've been thinking about that concept for 20 years. Was it, it was a speakeasy concept? It was a speakeasy concept. At the time, craft cocktails wasn't a thing. I was, that's what, that was going to be my next question is 22 years ago, speakeasy was not on the radar. No, no, what we wanted to do was have a DJ playing background music for a two-piece live jazz band to mm. play over the top sick. of it and just have this sick environment. And I'm sure it would have slowly went into craft cocktails as it became a thing, but it was way before that. I was making yeah. lots of lemon drops in Long Island. And- oh, lemon drops. Yeah. Kamikazes. I mean, everything came in a in a cocktail, a martini glass. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Menus were, oh, you have 32 martinis, you're a good bar. Right. Yeah, Can yeah, I yeah. get a B-52 yes. and a blowjob? But having been in uh, in the speakeasy, having been in, in Harry's, uh, the vibe of that place uh, tends to to really throw you back to to the 1920s, to this to the speakeasy era. Um, and that's something. Uh, how did you capture that vibe? I mean, did you visit other speakeasies? I mean, do you watch a lot of old movies? Uh, I've visited. <laughs> I've, I've been fortunate enough to get to travel to you know a lot of the, the best bars in the country, and um, you know we took what we liked from from a bunch of different spots, such um, as give me give me some examples. Um, Devil's Acre in San Francisco. It's got you know a very similar wallpaper. Loved it. Um, there's mm. a bar that I went to in Portland. Um, that had you know a, a big block ice on the back bar, which we took that from. Mm-hmm. Uh, em, uh, employees only. If you stay till the very end of the night, they give you this amazing cup of chicken noodle soup. We give you milk and cookies uh, every night if you're there at last wow. call. Um, so we just kind of pick apart of you know things that we like from other bars. Yeah. And then I like I again I I'm never gonna be the guy to run a pretentious bar. So like you know we have slushy machines and we just try <laughs> to have fun with everything. That's the crazy thing is most people at this point haven't been in Harry's. It is if you just walked in and didn't know anything, it could look pretentious. Absolutely. Right? Sure. It has this vibe, but then when you get to know the staff and like you said, it's 
potentially pretentious, and yet I'm looking at a slushy machine. It's yeah. like, is this Sloppy Joe's? What is? <laughs> it's such a weird like contrast, like this weird juxtaposition of mm-hmm. stuff um, that obviously then clearly says, okay, we have a sense of humor. Yeah, we just have fun with it. The first drink on our menu is actually a joke. So with, it, it, it's called Three Weeks, and I got so sick of people uh, asking me when we were going to open, I just started yeah. lying, telling everybody Three Weeks. He said he told me three weeks for I'm not kidding six months, <laughs> two to three weeks. He said two to three weeks, two to three weeks. For the first three months, he was serious, yeah. and then and then it became a joke. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, let's let's back up just for a second for the uh, for the podcast listeners here. So, Pine Jigger is uh, is a bar that op- what year did it open? It uh, we uh, we were at the end of the month. It'll be six years. So six years ago, Pine Jigger nice. opens up uh, in the McCulley area, uh, in an area that's known for like ramen shops uh, and probably some gambling halls and, and and really crappy walk-up apartments. You know, there's not much going on there. But now all of a sudden you have this little spot there that turns into this hub of activity for sports games. you got people that come down there for pre-gaming and after-gaming drinks and Sunday morning uh, uh, um, uh, cocktails and things like that. So it's doing really well. And then now you've opened up this speakeasy we won't give away the location because of by definition it's a speakeasy but you've got this place that on the outside of it it's a hardware store it's just it totally looks you'd walk past it you wouldn't think anything of it you just think it's this hardware store that's never open and it's there uh, but if you find the secret way in and you, you get in there you enter through this long dark hallway that feels like you're going into like some underground or something like that you knock on a second door you go into this place and all of a sudden you revealed this beautiful lounge, antique furniture, oak barrels on the walls, and uh, and the friendliest staff ever. Way to paint a picture, buddy. You know, I'll just, yeah, I'll just try to pi- picture yeah. what it is. Uh, and, and you can only get in by reservation. You have to have the password. So you can't just show up one night drunk with your friends. And even though I know you, I can't just come in. I have to know. Newman has denied me several times. Well, yeah, yeah, that's well, that, yeah, it's part that's of the course here nor there. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just you in general. <laughs> that's not indicative. Of the, that's not the best example. Yeah. So, yes. what's the waiting list now? A couple weeks? Three uh, weeks? No, actually, we're about we're about two to three days out. Oh, okay, that's um, not too bad. And then uh, it's just text the phone number, and, and our host will get back to you. And, and another thing too is uh, the the interesting policy where you have it's like one seat per person. You want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, we just we want everybody to have an amazing experience. We don't want anybody to ruin that for anybody else. So we're just keeping everybody seated. It's uh, thirty eight people capacity, and we, we oh. just try to keep it at that. So you're not going to do three deep at the bar with Never. some drunk person like me with a hundred dollar bill going. Can I get seven shots of blue bizzle, please? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we we just want it to be really comfortable, and you know, if we keep it to that amount, everybody gets their drink in a, in a timely manner. It's probably my number one complaint with craft cocktails is like I, I I'm a drinker. I don't want to wait 20 minutes for a cocktail. But it's a trade off. I mean, when you have a signature craft cocktail, cocktail program that works, cocktails, by the way, cocktail, cocktail drink, drinks, whatever, same right. variation of the word. Um, these you know a, a, a nice good signature cocktail is taking you know anywhere from 60 seconds to three minutes to make for one or if you're at leather apron it's five minutes plus so where i mean there's got to be a fine line between well you just order a bud light while you're waiting right come on don't be such a jerk so doing (laughs) what's right for the cocktail and for what you're trying to represent but then there's also the commerce side of it where it's like you gotta like push out the drinks to make the sales Mm -hmm. to stay open absolutely and and we've done as much as I, I know how to do to speed up that process. So we you know we have two slushy drinks, we have bottled cocktails, which is 
I pre-batch them. They're delicious. They're in a bottle. We're going to have one in a minute. Crack the bottle. Pour it over your glass. You're done. It's it's a 10-second interaction. Can, can the, the bottled cocktails with the um, that special thing that you showed us the other day, can we talk about that or not? Because that's sure. which one? a little the, bit of an iffy. The carbonated... Oh the, yeah, but he he makes carbonated alcoholic beverages, which is the something only I've never seen before. Not only in the state, but possibly in the country. I I haven't seen anybody else doing uh, alaminute individually carbonated cocktails. We can put them in a keg and carbonate them that way, but um, for individual cocktails, I haven't seen anybody else. Do it's it, fun do to it watch too as you do it. You, know, you take your cocktail and, and, and you make it. Every, everything like when you go in, it's very yeah. visual. Just from from the the ambiance to the ordering of the drink. I mean, it's just like even getting the ice in the drink. You're watching like this giant block of ice, and you're you know hacking it with a I don't know what that is a machete or whatever it is. <laughs> it's all just very like visually like just so interesting. Yeah. If you if you can somehow manage to figure out where this place is and how to get in, it's the like it's the dopest spot for like a date night. Yeah. For like you want to be the cool guy that like oh look what I know and I'm you know I'm on the I'm I'm on the ends yeah. and you know to impress a date. Yeah, we found that uh, we see a lot of uh, first Tinder dates at Pint and Jigger, <laughs> and we see more relationship dates at Harry's. <laughs> wow, that is a good. <laughs> you so Dave was telling me the other day that that. The crowd and the clientele at Pint and Jigger is different than at Harry's. Even if it's the same, people are looking for a totally different experience and a different night out. Like a lot of our regulars are coming over, but it's a definitely different crowd. People are dressing up. The amount of people that come dressed up like great, like they're in Great Gatsby is insane. That's awesome. I it's do, so cool. I, I, I could feel that. To me, it does seem to feel like it's the same people, but they're just dressed better. <laughs> like I don't, I don't feel like I can. Which makes them different people, Flash. This is true. People behave yeah. differently. Based this is on true. I mean, I'm, I can go into a pint in shorts and a t-shirt, and I'm totally chill. I would never go into Harry's in shorts and a t-shirt, for example. I would go into pint with Maleko. I would mm-hmm. not go into Harry's with Maleko. Wow. I yeah. wouldn't take you either. I know the password, by the way. You don't. Okay. Yeah. That's just, fair. Just saying. Just That's throwing fair. that out there. <laughs> um, Dave, your favorite, uh, your, your favorite spirit so nobody believes me when I say this. If I could only drink one thing for the rest of my life, it would be champagne. Really? Yeah. I mean, every Yay. time you crack a bottle of champagne, you're celebrating. It's amazing in the morning, evening, noon, whatever. I expected you to say some some ridiculously aged scotch or something like that. Uh, but champagne. But it's not pretentious. All right. Now, we, we had a lanai on a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. or maybe even la- no two weeks ago, and he brought champagne, and he said, Every time you open champagne, it's a celebration. He's like, life is a celebration, so he always wants to drink champagne. It's that same philosophy. Yeah, and I like cougars, and they all drink champagne. So it's great. <laughs> no, that's the real reason. All right, so all what you're saying is, is I need to switch over to the champagne. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll tell you a story that tugs on the heartstrings a little bit. Okay. Um, so, so my dad was not a drinker, nor was my mom. It had skipped a generation of drinkers. Mm-hmm. Double it up. Yeah. Um, but he, he was terminally ill with cancer, and I told him he didn't get to leave this world without us sharing a beer. He said, well, I don't drink beer. He's like, but I do love chili dogs. And I, we lived in Los Angeles, a famous chili dog place called Cupid's. So he agreed that we could go and have a pitcher of beer as long as we ate chili dogs. And uh, Great combo. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good flavor a good combo. combo. So the best drink I've ever had is a horrible pitcher of Miller Lite with my dad because 
it was the time and the place that just meant so much. And it's like being here with you guys today, sharing a cocktail in the morning. Like, this is amazing. It's because yeah. we're with rad people doing something really, really cool. So to you, making drinks is not just about making drinks or having a bar. isn't just about making a bar. You're creating experiences. Memories, and, yeah. And, yeah, memories. Absolutely. And, and our number one selling co- uh, whiskey cocktail at Pint and Jigger is a Mesquite Smoke Manhattan. And that tugs on people's emotional memory strings because it tastes like you're camping. It's like mm. you're sitting next to a campfire having a Manhattan and brings back all these memories for people. If you're sitting next to a campfire having a Manhattan, I've been doing <laughs> camping all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, and yet somehow I can picture that, though, because campfires, every time you're around a campfire, it's a good time. You know, exactly. you're with some friends, you're having a good time, you're having discussion. Campfire conversations are uh, are almost as good as uh, as alcohol and drug-fueled conversations. Well, if you're sitting around a campfire having a conversation, every there's a lot of drugs involved. <laughs> Let's be real. Come on. I didn't say Burning Man. I just, I just said a campfire. <laughs> I will say this, though. I mean, you're absolutely right, and you have, for the people that know you, uh, all of my favorite experiences at Pint besides watching the Giants win the World Series there several times, um, involve, it's like going in the back with you and like, you know, doing shots. And it's it's not about like, oh, I had this amazing drink at Pint and Jigger. It's like, you know, Newman took me and, and my friends, and it doesn't even matter who I'm with, but Newman treats whoever I'm with like family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the back doing shots or whatever. And it's about that experience um, or like, you know, Taking me over to see Harry's before it's open, saying two, you'll be open in two to three weeks. It's it's like all that extra stuff. Even though you have like this amazing cocktail program and you know all this amazing food and stuff, it's it's not that. Yeah, and that's what makes the difference between like a good place or an okay place and like an, a great place. Well, let's talk about time and place because sometimes you need to just have a drink real quick. So you like you come home, you pop open a beer, uh, or maybe you just pour yourself something on the rocks. Uh, or maybe you go out with some friends and you, you, know, you wind up at Smith's Union, you know, with, cool. with, with $3 beers or something like that. Um, those are quick to the point. You know, the point isn't necessarily to stay and enjoy it. It's to get a little buzz on before you continue with the rest of whatever you're doing. Um, whereas uh, a bar like Pint and Jigger or a bar like Harry's is um, it's, it's kind of an ex- the experience includes the bartender. Like the bartender becomes part of it, if only just because you have to wait so long to have that drink prepared for you. So, um, what is the, what do you think that the, um, as a bartender, what's your responsibility in that relationship as you're there with the customer making the drink? I, I think that's always been the role of the bartender is to figure out what that relationship is with every guest. And the best bartenders just crush at it. You know, Jonathan from Murphy's is a master. You go down there and he's, watch him. Work I would say lunch. he's number one. He's number one. Mm-hmm. Like you ask most of the craft bartenders or, or bartenders around town, he's just spectacular at it. I bring you down there if you have never met him. You'd go back three months later and he would be like, oh, like how's work going? He would know where you worked. He would remember your name. He would remember what you were drinking. And he would create this immediate bond with you and he's able to talk about anything. He does know about everything. He's he like, reads the paper every day. He's the bartender's bartender. Absolutely. And so if you're a realtor, he's going to be like, oh, I saw interest rates drop like by, you know, 0.2%. Like, how's that affecting your business? And you're like sitting there going like, wow, like what can you not talk about? Because <laughs> he can talk about everything. He's amazing. Oh, he's, he's my favorite 
and I hate this term mixologist, but like to me, you're more like a mixologist guy. You know, Justin Park, more like a mixologist guy. Jonathan is the best bartender in Hawaii, and he has been forever. And anyone in the industry will tell you that. And he has taken, it's like the art of bartending, which is it minimum 50% conversational and personality. If you said the art of bartending 15 years ago, somebody would laugh and say, you know, like it takes a lot to, to mix up a, a, a Red Bull and vodka or something like that. Uh, but now you say it. I mean, it is, is it that bartending has emerged as its own art or is it a resurgence um, or is it that people are paying more attention? Why is it different today than it was 15 years ago? It's definitely people are paying more attention. That's the, a good question. Uh, bartending came, like craft bartending, came on the tails of the farm-to-table movement. People got so concerned where their food was coming out from, what was in it. Like, were you putting MSG? Were you using corn syrup? No, no. Like, you were making the best food from local products possible. If you're going to be that concerned with what you're eating, like, why are you then going to have a margarita made with bottled sour mix that's full of high fructose corn syrup and, and artificial colors? And Like, yeah, why wouldn't you use fresh lemon and lime juice? And it tastes better. And it may cost a little bit more. Mm. This may sound... Um, That's a really good explanation for that. It's just, uh, it makes total sense. Well, this may sound a little shallow, but I, I think it's... I personally think it's kind of true. But, I mean, where do you feel like like Anthony Bourdain and the No Reservations movement plays mm. a part mm -hmm. in all of this? That's huge. I mean, like I said, that bringing, bringing what we're eating and drinking to the forefront of everybody's thoughts, it... it Absolutely, it's shaped what bartending has become. And, and people are calling it the second golden era of bartending. Um, so we're incredibly lucky, especially in Hawaii. We have some of the best bartenders in the world, and people I don't think people realize it. You can go sit in front of Justin Park, and he makes every drink like he's in a drink competition. Mm -hmm. You're going to wait a few minutes to get it, but you're going to get this beautifully crafted, very technical cocktail. Yeah. By the way, Justin Park from Leather Apron is going to be on in June. Oh. Plug, pluggy. We should have had them both on at the same time and had oh. a little battle or something like that. No, I got to spread out the amazing alcohol. Yeah. We got to <laughs> make, make it last. Smart, man. Yeah, you, you, spoken you, like an alcoholic. Uh, you can go sit with Christian and, and just watch him just crush. I mean, he's do amazing. You, do you feel like Hawaii has become a, a, a culinary hub um, one of the hotbeds of, of cuisine in the country. Well, that's if you go back two weeks, Lanai would tell you that Hawaii has always been that. True. Uh, you know, we had a conversation with Lanai on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he talked about how Hawaii has been central to a lot of the food and beverage that uh, has, has crossed the Pacific, because uh, Hawaii was a fueling stop. So we had wine before California had wine. We had rice and sugar, macadamia and we, nuts, and, and, all these, and we took these all this interesting in and out. different flavors. It's always been a trade hub. So, so the question is with the the kind of influential cuisine hub that Hawaii is. Do you think that in part has helped fuel Hawaii being? Because I agree with you. I think Hawaii is has to be one of the top ten des destinations for cocktails in the country. Um, as far as specific individual talent goes. But do you think that the cuisine hub relationship is is relevant and, and pertinent to elevating the cocktail scene here or no? Absolutely. And I think I think the cuisine has gotten so much better here in the last 10 years. It's, it's incredible. Um, I, when I first came, 
I think, you know, service was lacking a little bit and some of the food mm-hmm. was missing and it's just gotten better and better and better. Mm-hmm. There's so much talent now, be you know, in the back of the house. The chefs are, are just crushing it. And whether that's Chris Kajioka at Senia or what he did at, at Vintage Cave or MW or even like the affordable stuff is just so even good. Even you go into Pint and Jigger, which is a pub and I'm going there for a paper plane yeah. and then yet I have the burger and it's like, oh my oh, God. So good. So this is part of this uh, uh, this consumption movement. Then people care about what's in their food. People care about what they're consuming. Um, you know, not even just what they're consuming in their bodies, but just what they're what they're purchasing uh, for their homes. So people care about what's in their food. People now starting to care about what's in their drink. Um, so that leaves an opportunity for uh, exploration for bartenders to suddenly not just stick to what's normally behind the bar. And that's where you see things like putting in uh, smoke or carbonation into drinks. I mean, these, these are some of the cool little tricks that bartenders are doing behind the bar now. Um, what's next? What are, what are you experimenting with now that we're going to start seeing a lot of in that the future? You that you can tell us about. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll pick one spirit category. Um, we'll go, which I, I definitely, you know, already bartenders are drinking a ton of mezcal. Um, that that's still filtering down to your average drinker, and I would say the next up and coming thing after that's probably going to be sherry. Um, what about the ro- rosé? Seems to be making a huge comeback lately I, too. Like all the bartenders are drinking rosé, rosé all day. You got frosé now. Like right. it's it's delicious. It fits our climate. Same with sherry. Um, but I, like rosé used to be like it wasn't white wine, it wasn't red wine, so it was like kind of made fun of. And now all of a sudden, it's like this really like it is. Well, it's it's like it's overkill though. Like cool rosé, rosé is to alcohol as Cardi B is to hip hop. It's like it's everywhere. Wow. Yeah. I Look like, at I like you. The connection. Well played. Well played. It is Look though. At you. I mean, like, I mean rosé was simple and 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 it was cool, but now it's like, come on, you drink rosé? Seriously, get creative. I also feel like. White Zinfandel has a huge part to play in that. That's not rosé. It's the you know for the longest time, Beringer White Zinfandel is the largest selling wine in, in the country. My mom used to drink it. Oh, um, dude, my mom all day. Right I too. think what's happening with the rosé is it was the guilty pleasure that everyone always liked, uh. but they kept it on the on the DL, and now you know through marketing or whatever, somehow it's kind of cool. So then everyone is like. I can be like well, they put it much in more public with my like love for. They're making rose flavored vodka now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And someone, uh, Kaylee, was telling me about this the other day, and I'm like, if I'm going to drink rose flavored vodka, wouldn't I just drink, you know, rose? Yeah. 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 Thoughts? Bad, bad call. I don't know. Rose okay. flavored vodka. My only actual issue with flavored vodka is like, let's get away from the stuff that's geared towards children. I don't need Fruity Pebble vodka. Although vodka whipped was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. Stoli Blue Bizzle was no. amazing. Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's just give a moment to, to whipped. <laughs> but, but blueberry is a flavor. Like, it's an adult flavor. Like, I don't need like the children. Yeah. Things that are geared towards 16-year-old kids. I mean, there actually is, okay. I think, the three olives, like, is it Fruit Loops yeah, flavored yeah, or whatever? Like, but, actual Fruit Loops yeah. is a flavoring. Well, okay. Let, let's not give any energy to the stuff we don't like. Rosé, uh, you know, all that. Let's. I want to talk about cherry. Because okay. this is new to me. I, like, I've always seen sherry. That's always the thing that you use for cooking. Uh, it's kind of an unutilized spirit. In fact, if you go to Walmart, I think it's the cheapest thing 
on the rack, and it's right next to the Sprite. But Sherry was also uh, like a, an after-dinner aperitif, right? Yeah. Maybe years ago, right? Yeah, so I mean, I, I was fortunate enough. I lived in Cadiz, Spain. It's the southwest corner of Spain. And it, it was Arriba! Hot. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Running on the bulls, the whole thing. Did Be- you do that? Beautiful dark wi- dark-haired women. It's mm. like Hawaii in so many ways. Did um, you do the running of the bulls? No. I, 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 those animals are huge and terrifying. Yeah. Um, right there with you, buddy. I think those people are <laughs> bananas. <laughs> anyway, um, but I was about a half an hour away from Jerez de la Frontera, is where one of the areas where um, they make sherry. It's only in, in this little triangle in the southwest part of Spain, and it fits the climate incredibly well. And we have a very similar climate to Spain. Hmm. Um, but people are starting to look for, you know, when we first opened, everybody wanted the highest ABV beer. And now people are like, hey, look, I want session Slow beers. down with, with the jargon and the acronyms. ABV. Or the highest alcohol content. Highest alcohol content. That's, that's yeah, that's a, I go with my friends and you just look for the one with the well, 18%, you know, whatever. I'll have just, that. Yeah. I don't care what it is. You it actually says, do that? Yeah, me and my wife do that. Well, if you're going to get to the point, you just go to get to the point. When you just do a shot at that point? Yeah. You know, then you do a shot and a beer. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So, but now I, I admit, D, I all that. of the above. Yeah. I mean, because I don't, I don't know what what Boulevard beer is to North Shore, but brew. like they all have. But f- you know the percentages, freaking names. But right. it's like that one's eight percent, that one's twelve percent. Got it. I'm going there. Right, right, right. But now we're actually seeing people move away from that. They're like, I want to have five beers over the course of my stay at Pint and Jigger. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a few that are lower. Lower alcohol content. And sherry fits right in there on the cocktail front. If anyone is walking into Pite and Jigger with a drinking strategy, wow. <laughs> Kudos to you, Mr. Alcoholic. <laughs> Jesus. What is what is the flavor profile of cherry? Of uh, sherry. It's going to be um, almonds. And it, it's the drier Fino sherries have like almost this flavor of like almond skin, that like bitter, like almond, like dryness. And they go all the way up to like a sweeter profile where it would be like a, a sweetened almond. And is that something you just put on the rocks, or you make cocktails with that? We make cocktails right now. Like one of our best sellers is a cobbler, and it's just this beautiful cocktail that that we put fresh fruit on the top and mint and powdered sugar. It looks delicious, and people love it. So you- if I wanted to explore with sherry at home, like let's just say someone's listening to the podcast and they're thinking, "Yeah, I want to have fun. I want to try some." What what's a simple base cocktail? For somebody who wants to dive into the sherry, so I would I would say actually just start by drinking it on its own, maybe maybe just neat or uh, ice cube, and look for something like a room temperature. Let's style it. Like right now, we don't get we don't have the best selection in Hawaii. I'm working on getting the distributors to bring in some better sherries. Um, yeah, room temperature. Or you can keep it in the yeah, refrigerator. No, no select. I think the last time I saw a sherry, I think I was at. Uh, Wherever I was, I saw she, it was like there were two bottles. There are two choices. Well, you know, one is this and one is that. I mean, you can't walk into a bar in San Francisco without seeing multiple sherry cocktails on a menu and like sherry options to just drink. It and we're always a few years behind the mainland. And is it a dessert drink or can you just no? Just, like, you can have this for dinner or yeah, like just uh, for partying. It pairs incredibly well with food. It they range from incredibly dry to where you're like wow like there's absolutely no sugar in that at all to hmm. two sweeter ones um i would say the, the brand right now to look at is is, is uh Lestau. um it's the only really great sherry company that we have here right now so you're you're embracing the sherry movement oh yeah 100 I'm, I'm on i'm on board what about the mezcal thing i love it i mean it's so cool the, the problem with mezcal is it's this growing popularity of something that has a very limited amount. I mean, it takes between six and 30 years to grow an agave to cook it before you yeah. can do you, distill it. Do you think it. the mezcal um, 
popularity is just um, the logical next step in what's happening with tequila? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, still to this day, the margarita is the number one Zoom cocktail in the United States. I, I I play my part in and that. I said cocktail. I do. Yeah, I hey, play my hey, part. Hey, hey, oh, I'm out. By the way, actually, we had Johnny. Uh, it was Johnny who was in uh, encore. Yeah, encore. Johnny is like he he is like holding the flag for mezcal yeah, like absolutely. harder than anyone so else good. I know. But what I do notice about mezcal in particular is the way Jaeger used to be, and then now kind of lately Frenet is all of a sudden like the cool drink for bartenders mm. is. Pretty much anything with mezcal. Right. But yeah, Johnny at Encore Saloon is, he likes to pride himself on, I mean, he practically calls it a mezcal bar, and he's like, wants to get in all the mezcals that all these other people don't have. I do feel like with mezcal, though, because it has such a powerful flavor profile that no. you got to be careful with it, and it's also not necessarily for everyone because it's so overpowering so you talk about mezcal you talk about sherry these are spirits that have been around a long time but haven't really been mainstream popular um obviously there's a there's a supply concern with mezcal but um what other spirits are coming back like i actually i was at a a a party the other night and somebody started bringing out absinthe um whoa yeah which is you know that's the same thing i said i was like whoa watch out I don't necessarily want to hallucinate, you know, because that's all I know about absinthe. Um, but it was a process. Like, they came out, and it was one of those, it was a central part of the party where they had a, a machine that dripped it into sugar that brought it out, and nobody hallucinated. It was it was tasty, but, but it was it's also not tasty. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you got to know what you're drinking when you drink it. Is that something you think that fits into this resurgence of, let's try old things new again? Uh, absolutely, and, and absinthe. Uh, was originally an incredibly social drink. The bartender would hand you an ounce of absinthe. You would go over to the absinthe fountain, and the thing drips incredibly slowly. It takes 10 minutes to make the thing. Mm-hmm. And you would be standing there. It's almost like the old-school office water cooler. You'd be like, oh, that pretty girl is up at the absinthe fountain dripping her absinthe. I want one. Uh-huh. And then you would go there, and you'd have a conversation for 10 minutes, and you'd go back to your parties. And what, you know. What's the um, – was it opium that was in absinthe, or what was the – It's wormwood. Wormwood, which That's is right. what is that? So wormwood in high enough, it's poison. It, it is poisonous, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a hallucinogen. And in high enough, you know, quantities, you would hallucinate. Uh, on the other note, you would be way more drunk <coughs> before you started hallucinating. Um, so we do we do absent trip at at Harry's Hardware Emporium. Um, and we're setting it up right now. Is there worm, wormwood in it? Yeah. So absinthe was illegal in the United States until 2005, and now it's become legal again, and it still has wormwood um, in its original f- uh, yes, uh, yes. form. Right? It's not like they took out the wormwood. Right. So right. there, there was like a fake absinthe up till 2005, and now we have real absinthe again. Oh. How is it that the, the the United States is cool with that? It's like I said, you're going to get incredibly drunk before you start hallucinating. Yeah. Okay. The mm. quantity of wormwood in absinthe isn't quite enough to uh, get you to hallucinate. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> we can make this happen. <laughs> All right, um, so you've actually made some new cocktails for us here. So, um, like I said, we... Oh, cocktail. Cocktail. Mm. Happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday. Thank you. Newman so, Trooper, day after his birthday, coming and doing the podcast, mm. making us alcohol. Oh, <laughs> shocking. Thank you so much. Um, 
So, like I said, we, we're trying to do as many things as we can to get you a really great cocktail in, in a short amount of time. So we do bottled cocktails. These are pre-made. Uh, I, I can also leave work and not want to make a cocktail when I get home. I can just pull one of these out of our fridge and, and drink it when I get home. So um, what is this now? This is um, a Red Hook. And uh, they did a series of cocktails that were all uh, variations on the Manhattan. There's a Bronx, a Brooklyn, a Greenpoint. Uh, this is a Red Hook. Um, not to be confused with Red Hook beer. Not to be confused with Red Hook <laughs> Definitely beer. Definitely not. And uh, this is Thank uh, God. Knob Creek rye whiskey, uh, sweet vermouth, a little bit of Luxardo bitter cherry liqueur. Super simple, super delicious. And Very then the tasty. cherry that we have on top is a Luxardo cherry. So. And you, you hand chiseled the, the ice. Well, I got up. Too, I got up true. early after drinking all night. <laughs> sure. So, okay, wait. <clears throat> it's Knob Creek rye whiskey, and what else? Uh, we use a, a really robust sweet vermouth called Punta Mez, and then Luxardo bitter cherry liqueur. Ah. All right, we are uh, running out of time, but are we though? We are. Well, I mean, I guess we could go on forever, but people are reaching their destinations, and we should probably start wrapping things up. But what I do want to just just touch on before we go, um, so you've you've just opened Harry's. It's open for business, right? People can come. Yeah. And and how do we, if if we want to get in on the in the secret environment there, how do what's the best way to try and get an invitation? All right, so right, like I said, right now we're a couple days out on reservations. We're open Thursday through Sunday. We're going to add Wednesdays probably in about three weeks. Joke, joke, hint, hint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we open at 5.30. We, we stay till late. Um, and right now the phone number to reach our host is 808-379-3887. And uh, just text that number. And if we have room for you, we'll, we'll make it happen. I, I do have a couple more quick questions. Yeah. And I think one of these we kind of already touched on. What? Who are your top three favorite bartenders? Okay, I have two answers for this. <laughs> I know Jonathan is obviously on the... So I'm actually going away from that. So oh, okay. I have two answers. Okay. Uh, Chandra Lucariello. Oh, Chandra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's the master mixologist for Southern Wine and Spirits. Love her. She's amazing. And Jen not Ac too bad on the eyes. Yeah. Jen Ackrell. Yes. Of, top of Waikiki. God, I love Jen. She makes an incredible drink. She makes yes. an incredible drink. And then Allie Haynes. Um, she was uh, at Livestock. She's kind of following Dusty around. So she's doing stage right now. And I think she's going to be... Uh, well, Dusty's out of stage and now he's on to Merriman's. Which means is she Allie following? will be yeah. going to Merriman's. Uh, yeah. But... but First of all, girl power. It's amazing because there was yeah. a time where yeah, all where three women on your list there. There was a time where women weren't behind the bar. It was just like a, a male dominated thing. So I think it's amazing to have these incredibly talented. And on top of that, like those women show the best hospitality. Like you feel so incredibly welcome anytime they're behind the bar. So they're not cranky like you are? No. Like grouchy behind like, the bar? No. If you come in for brunch when I'm working, it's horrible. Uh, <laughs> I've been but fortunate to they, not have you working brunch when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that those things combined, those three are just absolutely amazing. And, yeah. and if you've had any drinks around Waikiki or around Oahu or even Outer Islands now, you're drinking stuff Chandra created. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. she is incredibly prolific. Do you separate bartenders and mixologists, or is that just, it's all kind of, combined for you I, I mean the only people that that and, and i know you know this the only people that say mixologists aren't bartenders like no we don't call no, ourselves they're yelpers that. is I what mean, they are when i like to go drinking and this may be like uh i i i don't really go to like have a craft cocktail 90 percent of the time i like go to have a shot in a beer at a dive bar 
Or cheers. Yeah. Or like anywhere and anyone in Hawaii, you're going, you want to go where your friends are working. Absolutely. Like I go, I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love everything about Pint and Jigger, but I go to Pint and Jigger to see Newman, to mm-hmm. see Tanner. Yeah. You know, you go where your friends are. I like to go on the DL. I like to go to bars where I don't know anyone um, to just get in and out. What's your favorite low key in and out? Low key bar. See, like I don't even like talking about this okay. because it's low key. You have one though, but I do. I, I'll share it. It's, I mean, I love Ninth Ave Rock House. Yes, oh. like Kaimuki. I'm, That's I'm where O Dog works. O Dog yeah. is a bartender there. Yeah. Yes, and they have the food is way better than it should be. It's super low key. People, you know, get that in there, and you know, you might see uh, Kara rapping there yes. every <laughs> once in a while with the, with the dance moves That's, to go along with it. Fun. I use the term dance moves loosely. That's good. That's good. Wow. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite low key bar? I, I, we haven't asked this question before. Um. I, if you were to, if you were to say like dive bar dive bar, mm-hmm. which is it's it's a category unto itself, um, I would say Smith and Union mm. is my favorite. Yeah, somehow I only end up there with Darren, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow that is often. But there is um, there's something very appealing about that. There's mm-hmm. also a bar. Um, no, you only uh, get one. What about yours? Me. Yeah. Uh, the cocktail lounge attached to the Wailana Coffee House. Yes. The little, yes, the little tiki, Dude, the ambiance there. Okay oh bar. my god, that place is like a Twilight Zone yeah. piece of amazingness. That's a uh, Nicole Naoni's favorite little uh, dive bar. If you go in there when they're doing karaoke, like on a Friday night, um, like the seniors, seniors come out, like the old school karaoke guys come out. There's a guy that looks and sounds like Frank Sinatra. Uh, the waitress is always extremely friendly. It's a fun place. Super cool. Yeah, and it's like and um, no one knows it's there. Like no one, you don't think of you see while on a coffee house, you don't necessarily know that there's right. a, a tiki bar attached and that, and that to place it. has been there forever. Yeah, yeah that's a good call. Yeah. Good call. I have my moments. I, I got I got one more thing uh-huh. I want to ask. Um, when you open pint and uh, Maleko was talking about this earlier with the gastropub thing. Um, at the time, the format of pint was new. It was fresh. Um, people were doing it on the mainland, but people weren't really doing it here and certainly hadn't perfected it. Um, RIP apartment three, <laughs> but, but, um, I missed, I missed that bar, but oh, now, me too. you know, there's, there was been this huge like resurgence of bars opening less, much more so than like nightclubs per se. And. I just feel like every place that's been opening in the last five years, it's like, oh, cool, that's a variation on Pint. Oh, cool, that's a variation on Pint. Like, how do you feel? And now it's like, oh, cool, that's a variation, like, on the micro brew mm-hmm. beer mm-hmm. thing. Like, how do you feel about all these? Um, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but how do you feel about all these copycats and their lack of originality of basically opening Ooh. the 27th version of Pint and Jigger? Like, oh, wow, that's cool and interesting. Six I mean, years ago, when that, Newman did it first. That's a fan's opinion, just so I don't get him into trouble here. Why don't, why don't I just why don't I tamper down that yeah, comparison? That's just my opinion. So, Flash's opinion as a super fan is that there's all these other copycats. I would just say, in general, that your bar has a certain style and appeal that was un- what you couldn't find in Hawaii until you opened up, and now it does seem like there's quite a few that are like it. How do you feel about that? Um, I think it's awesome. I mean, I think the more great places to what be able to What a PC answer. Come on, buddy. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to get to the part where I, I fire shots. <laughs> yes! Um, Wait, let me get my camera ready with the, for the video. Here we go! Um, but I, 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 do think, I do think it's amazing. Um, 
<laughs> I like how we all actually drink. Yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a Pavlov thing. So good. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's great. The more great places to go drinking, I just would like to see the talent catch up to all the places that are opening. I mean, you have people that were barbacks a year and a half ago that are running programs. If now. they're even barbacks at all. If they ever barback. Um, but... Like I said, the amount of amazing cocktail programs in Hawaii right now is is pretty unparalleled. I will say the one thing that that I felt we did, not just in Hawaii, but in general, beer and and cocktails were so separate. Like there weren't places doing craft beer and craft cocktails at the same time. And for me, it was a no-brainer because it's one of those things that speeds up service. But It takes me 15 seconds to pour a beer. That gives me more time to work on the people that are drinking craft cocktails. And Pint and Jigger is 30% sales is is craft beer but also i do still feel like there is some of that separation i can go into some of these like hipster microbrew places and it's like oh we serve beer and wine they don't even serve how hard alcohol right um but but now like i said almost every restaurant is opening with craft beer and craft cocktails which which is great uh you know i'm, I'm fine with the whole thing and then, like i said shots fired is like do you really got to use pretty much our exact name before <laughs> on another island and I'm not, I'm not, I won't actually <laughs> hey, say the name. Not but, actually going to say the actual name, Pint and Jigger, but, you know, <laughs> let's just talk about. <laughs> but, you know, like, there's there's some very specific things also like that where it's like mm-hmm. every bar now has the guy that's got the smoke machine, whereas, you know, back in the day, it's like pretty much you and Justin Park were the only ones doing that. And now it's like there's very specific things that are getting repeated and sure imitation is the sincerest form of flattery but doesn't that uh, competition also drives uh, creativity though <coughs> i mean wouldn't you but, say that you're better now because you could have just stopped at the smoke machine but now you've got the carbonation machine that you created that you made and the know? giant blocks of ice and you know and the wall of bourbon casks you know i mean there's a lot of things that you made wouldn't you say that the competition makes you better absolutely i mean i'm, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing to try to to move forward and i can't wait for the next bar to open up with a ton of barrel aged cocktails on the wall and that people that are carbonating because i'll be already be doing something else yeah so i i think it's great um as i think as long as you're creative and and have ideas i mean there's a lot of stuff that that we've invented or created that you know is is, is already done you know it, it's still pretty cool i uh I, I think it's great i can't wait to see what what's next I can't either. Dave Newman, everybody. Pint and Jigger, thanks for coming in, man. And Harry's. Cheers. Thank you. And Harry's. Thanks for having me. And mm. Harry's. Thank thanks you, for sir. The drinks. Happy birthday. Thank you. I cannot stress how crazy it is that Newman is coming in hungover <laughs> on, what, four hours of sleep the night after his birthday. I saw a picture on... Um, Instagram with like a beer and 87 shots. His <laughs> eyes are bloodshot. He's probably hurting so much right now, and yet he's here with us, also making us cocktails That's, and drinking. It's so, so delicious. If you can remember, what are your social media handles? How do people uh, <laughs> look you up? <laughs> uh, I, the one that I've created is called 808 Bartender. Apparently, somebody created one called I Know Dave. Um, Whoa, really? Uh, which is terrible. That's um, awful. Uh, That's awful. Immediate follow. That's it. Um, That's Jigger and Pint on Kauai. That's yeah. what that is. Wow. <laughs> it's the other bar. Yeah. I was... I was <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Those, those guys are going to kill me. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate enough to get uh, 808 Bartender as my as my handle nice. for Instagram. And, uh, and then mostly what, what I use. What's uh, Pint's it's socials? Just, it's just Pint and Jigger. Excellent. Thanks um, for coming in, man. 
Thank you. Newman, thank you so much. We've been trying to get you on the show forever. We're so excited. Three weeks. Three weeks. weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's it. So if you liked what you heard... Which, Which is unlikely, but that's fine. But if you did, tell your friends. Yes. How would I tell my friends? How how does this iHeart app podcast thing work? Really, really good. Look up. You <laughs> see you see those three dots at the top of the screen there on the right? Click that. That's the uh, the okay. share button. Check. Got and it. then you can uh, email it. You can text your friends. You can copy the link. You could post it on social media. Yeah. Just post it on social media. We don't I, want I was, you to text your friends or email them. We want every we want as many people mm-hmm. to know about this as possible. So yeah. don't be shy. And don't forget to follow us on social. I'm at DJ Maleko. I'm at Flashy808. That's Flashy with two E's. Or I guess if you turn the still talking. If like, you turn the push up. notifications on on your on your app, then it will automatically tell you. I'm not listening. That there's I've a new show coming up. Left the room. <laughs> no one cares. Oh, I so want to hear more. <laughs> hey! 